so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone and this is the Marseille View. I'm your host Stefan and tonight we're bringing you our first podcast of the 2021-2022 league and season and what a start to the season it was. So it's going to be a post-match review of the 3-2 win over Montpellier tonight and joining me to break down last night's game is a different lineup than what we've usually got so I'm without my usual sidekick Ben who can't make it tonight. <laughs> Um, firstly, returning to the show after a long absence is Fiorenzo. So, Fiorenzo, it must be over a year, I think, since we've last had you on. How are you? I'm fine, and you? Yeah, very well, very well. So, have you been doing anything exciting? Any, anything you want to share? Wondering where you've been, <laughs> where you've left um, us? Except I'm about to get married, nothing. <laughs> oh, wow, that's pretty good news. Brilliant. Congratulations. Thank you. I suppose that keep me busy. Good enough excuse. Um, so yeah, so very pleased to have you back. And um, we've also got um, another newbie this week. So uh, Lewis is with us. How are you, Lewis? How's it going, guys? Great to be here. Brilliant. Um, thanks for joining the show. So Lewis, um, as always, we'd like it if you told our listeners just a couple of words about yourself and how you've, sort of, I guess, become an OM fan. So what, what's what's your story? So my story with OM is a pretty straightforward one, and I think one that is shared by a lot of people in France is I didn't have a choice. I, my parents, uh, my um, dad's side, are, are French from the south, from Arles, which is about an hour out from Marseille. Um, and the whole, yeah, whole family, whole family was a Marseille fan. So I initially, you know, you're a five-year-old, you don't really know what sports you like yet, and then my father basically just decided for me he said you're going to be a football fan and you're going to be a Marseille fan and I just I've, I've run with it ever since um yeah Brilliant. yep no, that's a very familiar one to me so it's pretty much the the same story for me that's good um yeah there's quite a few of us uh, I think from the start of this pod that we're all kind of children of expats you know but yeah the, the OM diaspora, I guess. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so let's get started then. So last night's game, so it was the so we saw Marseille playing their opening match of Ligue 1 away to Montpellier. Um, so it was Sunday night's big fixture, uh, televised fixture. So I'll just start off by saying that the result was three two to Marseille. So Marseille had gone down two 0 by half time. Courtesy of, I think the first goal was an own goal, technically, wasn't it? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Luan Perez, own goal. Yeah. yeah. And then the second strike was from Gaetan, Gaetan Laborde. Uh, and then it was pretty much a bit like last season, but better. And it was like the Sam Pauli comeback come, come Kings, I think, were at it again. So we managed to pull off another comeback, a 3 2 win. So we got three goals in the second half. 
a goal from Chengiz Under and a double from Payet. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that this match had probably just about everything you want from an entertainment perspective and was a great watch for the neutrals as well, I reckon. So, guys, tell me, though, what are your thoughts on last night's game? So, who wants to go first? Tell me what, just, I don't know, break it down for us. I go first, then. Uh, I, I, in first half, I didn't understand what uh, Sampali was trying to do. I was kind of lost at the beginning of the game. Uh, the the tactic of the team is like really weird actually, but it worked. I mean, we played way better than Montpellier, that's for sure. They were lucky to score two goals. Um, the I, I'm really impressed by Conrad and the new the new players we have. But uh, as I said yesterday on Twitter, we're we're gonna watch a great season, I think. The only thing is we're going to take a lot of goals. We're going to score a, a lot, but we're going to take a lot of goals. So it's going to be exciting. I I enjoy it. Like I I love that over like getting bored for 90 minutes and win on a, a corner kick, you know. So, yeah, that's, that was great. Okay, Brian, what, what about you, Lewis? What are your sort of initial thoughts on the game last night? Listen, I, I I have a lot of love for Andre Villas-Boas and what he did for the club and qualifying us in the Champions League. But let's not kid ourselves that a lot of those games were absolutely boring, mind-bogglingly boring. And I, I, I'm thinking, I was thinking back yesterday to the 1-0 away against Strasbourg last year where Sanson somehow saved us and we had one shot on target. It was one shot, one shot on target, one goal. And that was, and that was it. And there was a certain satisfaction after that. I remember. And I just remember sitting there thinking, wow, is this what we've come to? Are we, are we really happy about this? And last night, I mean, 21 shots, you know, we hadn't, we hadn't had as many as we hadn't had 21 shots since I think it was, I saw a tweet about it. I think it was December, 2019 against Bordeaux at home. And um, so just that alone, I, I agree with Fiorenzo and I agree it's it's probably going to be a shambolic season from a defensive perspective because, you know, three at the back, the way we play it, uh, we're going to be exposed at the back. But I mean, what more to, what more can we ask for as Marseille fans, you know, than just a bit of exciting, almost Bielsa-esque, you know, involvement from the team and the high pressure up until the 90th minute. I mean, it's, I'll take that over, over Villas Boas or any of the previous managers for the last five years. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I've been a bit harsh on some, but hard on some Pali since he came and I'm kind of slowly sort of warming up to him. And it's not that I didn't like him to start with. I just was never hundred percent convinced it was going to work out. But and I think maybe, the football last, you know, the end of last season, although it was showing some good signs, it wasn't enough. Um, and I think we're starting to see it just sort of gradually sort of improve, to, you know, towards something Bielsa like. But I mean, it's not quite the same thing. But but yeah, I'm I'm kind of warming up to the football. We're getting we're getting more exciting to watch as the sort of team sort of settles into the system. And I think that was just such a good introduction to the season. I mean, we started off well, didn't we, in the game, I think. And then, you know, for me anyway, the first goal was a little bit 
kind of out of nowhere. I don't. I didn't really feel like we were that on that much under pressure. Although, you know, I'll, I'll come to the ta- tactics um, next. But I know that Montpellier were kind of sort of sussing out or set up, so they were slowly kind of figuring out where there was gaps. But I think um, we started pretty solidly until and, and until that we leaked that goal. You know, um, I think the the half time score was kind of misleading. You know, we were actually putting to, in quite a six, fairly solid performance, and yeah, coming into the second half, I think we really just sort of turned it on, and it's just really great to see that the 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 side has so much character as well. Um, and it's one thing I remembered with the AVB side, although you know, as you said, Lewis, the football was very, very dull. But in that first season, he had we did have a lot of character in that we were grinding out results from different difficult games and stuff. So there, you know, it's kind of good indication that there's a sort of solid sense of team spirit and uh, amongst the group. And I'm sort of seeing that again, maybe a bit with San Pauli, is that the players just seem quite united on the pitch and. Uh, you know they're not giving up, but then you know the heads aren't just going straight down or two 0 down. How many times have we seen no um, over the years when this if this would happen two 0 down at half time, we would have just sort of given up. Um, and yeah, so it's just really good to see we've got that kind of mental strength right now to uh, uh, and confidence that we can climb away back into games um, and and in style as well. So yeah, really exciting and hopefully. As you, you said, Fiorento, we're going to see, you know, hopefully it is like this all season. I don't care, like, you know, the crap defending and letting in two goals if we're going to score three or four every game. I, you know, I'll take that. As long as we as long as long we are entertained and we're picking up points, then, yeah, sign me up. Sounds good to me. So um, I wanted to just ask about the tactics first. So there was a lot of sort of confusion around what the system was and I know we've seen in pre-season playing quite sort of unconventional sort of formations and so we kind of expected that but I think maybe what we saw the starting uh, lineup that we saw wasn't quite maybe what some of us had expected so we saw um, a kind of weird formation it was like a sort of 3-3-3-1 or something right with uh, with Dimitri Payet as a sort of false nine um, what were your thoughts on that? Um, is this was? Do you think um, Sam Pauli got the system wrong initially on the night? Well, um, I'm not even sure uh, Sam Pauli is gonna keep on with this system. The, the thing is, we don't have defenders on the right. Saka is gone. Sar is gone. We need maybe we're gonna we're gonna take Lirola, but so far I think he has to do that. He has no choice. Um, what the only thing I think the only mistake uh, Sam Pauli made at first place is trying to get Payet on the as a forward as a striker. It doesn't work. We know it. So as soon as he he called Benedetto to get onto the pitch and Payet got to his natural natural play, it was way better. I'm I'm not really confident about about Balerdi because. I don't know. I I, I don't feel Balerdi very 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 good since a few months when he came to Marseille. I don't know. Uh, maybe if we take Lirola or Vas, it's going to be better. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's kind of weird tactic actually. Like it's just the same as Bielsa, three 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 one. But Bielsa used to play with a 
defenders on the left and right. That was, uh, I think, Benjamin Mendy and uh, Jadjeje. Now we play with Gerson and uh, with the other one is... I don't remember which uh, the other one was, but we play with two midfielders uh, as a defender. I, I'm not sure it's going to work against big teams, so... Papagay, is that know. what you mean? Papagay, yeah. Yeah, I don't, uh, Papagay made a really good match, by the way, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to work like that. I think Sampaoli is asking for Virola, and maybe he's going to going to play with Amavi. Uh, the only thing I could say about Sampaoli, uh, people are mistaken about Sampaoli because the, the last team he coached was uh, Argentina, the World Cup, and it was a to- total mess because it's really, really hard to coach this team. Like you remember with Bielsa, with, when he was in Argentina, he didn't work. Uh, it's really, really hard. But before that, he was at Sevilla and uh, Chile, and he like he won everything that was possible. He made even better than Bielsa with with Chile. So I don't know. I give him cre- I give him credit on that. I, I'm just gonna wait, but I really really like those kind of coach. Like we were with Rudy Garcia, Villas Boas for so many years. It's finally exciting exciting again, and I can't wait to see what's coming. Yeah, I, I I agree. I couldn't agree more about the um the fact that he's right now currently a bit forced to play, you know, with a couple players out of position because we don't have a, a right back or even a right wing back. Um, I I do question though one of the things I think people have said about I I obviously don't know I haven't followed San Paoli's teams closely except for that Argentina team, but something that I think has come up a lot is the the lack of adaptability. Um, that that he's shown and and a, a kind of willingness to maybe understand that sometimes some of the formations just don't work with the, with the system that that with the players that he has, and I think obviously right now no criticism he doesn't have a right back so there's no options on the right, but it's true that you know he tried Luis Enrique as a kind of right wing back, he tried Rongier, he tried last night Camaro was ending up on the right you know as a right back overlapping. And then all of a sudden, I mean, towards the end of the game, we had Saliba, you know, overlapping on the wing. So I'm I'm I'd be interested to see what he's going to do once we get a right back. If we get a right back, I trust Pablo Longoria. Um, But I I, I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting one. I I'd like to see if, for example, if we could play for at the back, you know, once we get a a right back, Um, because I even though I agree that this, uh, you know, entertaining style of football, scoring loads of goals, conceding, potentially conceding loads of goals. It, it's great, but I, I don't, I, I question its its longevity. You know, I question how long we can get away with playing the way we play. And us Marseille fans, you know us, I mean, we we switch quite quickly. Our, our moods and, 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 and thoughts on our team switch quite quickly. And I just think it would, it would be, it would be interesting to see if we lose two on the trot, you know, Three, two, two, one, whatever. I'd, I'd like to see if 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 Sampali can show what he hasn't shown before, which is just a, an ability to change, you know, and not be as as stubborn as some of his critics um, say he's he's been in the past. If I can answer that really quick, uh, I'm not sure he's gonna gonna adapt. Like Sampali is like Bielsa, you know, he's gonna die with his idea of football. So. 
I'm not sure he's gonna he's gonna change everything. Like I remember when he was uh, coaching Sevilla, the first six months was absolutely stunning. Like he won everything. I think he won against Madrid. He won against Barcelona. He had Nasri. Nasri was really really good. Like the team was performing really well, and then everything uh, everything went down. He started to lose games, and it didn't change. And what happened is it didn't work anymore, and he died, kind of died with his idea of football. And that's what Bielsa is doing as well. So that's the good and the bad thing about it. Like we have to to take it like that anyway. It's not going to change. Yeah, good point. Very good point. I'm I'm ready to I'm ready right now. I'm ready to to die for Sampoli. Ask me in a month how I feel, but right now I I die with his ideas. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I agree with both your points. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the right back situation is kind of I see worrying, but it's it we it, it, it does doesn't feel um like this is surely what we're going to see all season and. Uh, I, I'm a little bit frustrated actually just just to kind of go off on a, a, a off topic a little bit but I'm a bit frustrated about the right back situation with the Mercato I feel like with the Lirola deal's just been dragging on and stuff and I kind of think we need to sort of move on and maybe look at other targets um, and if he does come in anyway like you're saying and, and Sam Pali said this as well Lewis he's, he talked about uh, a few months back about potentially playing with a back four I don't know if uh, Lirola is the right right back to do that he was so attacking anyway um, and if so if, if, if it is Lirola can, can we really see him playing as a right back in a back four and what about if we do play a, a, you know, a system like we did last night or like we did um, at the end of last season when we were playing sort of kind of three five two, I think it was, um, um, a lot of the time, what about Under? What's going to happen? You know, how I don't know. So can Lirola and Under play together on the right side? I'm not quite sure. We saw last last season, like Tovan was playing that kind of right central mid role and Lirola was the sort of right wing back, wasn't it? So I don't know if it, it, it's going to impact other players and stuff. So not quite sure what kind of system actually we're going to get all season as a result. Um, I do think, yeah, you're right. It's, it, it doesn't feel like the, the, the formation that we saw last night could be, and the style even, could be sustainable across the season um, because other other sides are going to figure this out and they're going to see where there's huge gaps uh, in our side and where they, where they can exploit them. And Montpellier did look at for a period in the first half like they were starting to figure that out, but then they kind of just became overwhelmed by us in the in the end. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know a, a better side and not. To disrespect Montpellier, Montpellier, you know, are always a good side, but they've got a new manager and stuff, and they're going through a bit of a transition period. So I don't think we we caught Montpellier at their strongest time. So I think you know when we're facing better opposition, we could find ourselves in a bit of trouble. Um, so yeah, I think we need Sampali might have to he might have to adapt a bit and 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 be a bit more cautious at times because we'll drop a lot of points otherwise, um, and we could end up with a few like pretty bad beatings. Um, if we're not careful, I don't really want us to see us get beat five six nothing. But it's possible with that kind of game plan. If it, you know, it could really really not work out sometimes. So yeah, we need to sort of figure that out. And some players are clearly at a disadvantage in the current system. So we see someone like Bubakar Kamara who. 
you know, I'm a huge fan of Kamara and his role is just a shitty role. It's just a kind of like, it's, I don't know, he's got a sort of weak kind of like half right back, half central midfielder role that I think he's, I think nobody really knows what, what's expected of him. I'm not even sure Sam Pauli knows. It, it just feels like he's like an extra player in there that's just where they haven't really thought out properly how, how they're going to use him in that system. And I feel like it's harsh on him and people are criticising his performances, but it's not really his fault either. So yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like Sampali has to kind of um, tweak the system a bit and get the best out of all the 11 uh, because as we can see, it's working in certain sections and some it's not. Um just to kind of move on from tactics, uh, there's quite a few things in the game to talk about. I was thinking, what I mean, there was the big, the big incident, wasn't there, uh, with the referee? I don't know. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, other than that, it was chaos. Uh, any any interesting thoughts to share on what we saw at the end of the game? Yeah, I I I don't want to get too uh, high and mighty because us Marseille fans are are prone to um, similarly headless moments. You know, we've we're not the only Montpellier by no means the only fan base that throw things onto the pitch and you know once in a while you know maybe hit a player. Um, but it was uh, it was interesting. I, I I thought the the way that the um, I don't know if it was um, where you guys watched it from or on what um, stream, but on the on the French on on Amazon Prime, the um, they they showed us the um, stadium security head of security or something, some guy with a mustache, who basically just berated the fans for for three minutes. And I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was great that one they were showing it. Um, we could hear it loud and clear, and he was just saying, you know, you're you're doing yourselves a disservice right now, which I think is the only way to approach uh, incidents like that. I will say, I I think had it been the other way around, had it been Marseille fans throwing things at Montpellier players, um, it would have blown up. It would have absolutely blown up, and you would have heard from Jean-Michel Olas, you would have heard from the league, you would have, I mean, everybody would have gone mental, and it's been relatively quiet. Because it's oh, just just Montpellier, and um, so I, I will say I, I you know I'm going to remember this incident for when a Marseille fan inevitably, I, I say inevitably, uh, when a Marseille fan will at some point throw something onto a pitch and people will go crazy, and I'll I'll bring that story back up and say hey hey, you got to hold Marseille fans to the same standard that you hold Montpellier fans or Trois fans if there are any. Oh well. Yeah, I agree. The only thing is when you say Marseille fans are like they can uh, throw things on the, the field that happen, I agree, but not in this kind of situations. When it happens in Marseille, it's because uh, there's a, you know, there's chaos. The, the, the club is losing a lot of matches. The, the coach is, is about to leave and stuff like that. Like right now, we had no fans in the stadiums for almost two years and the first match they can go back in the stadium they do that just because they 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 take three goals in the second half but i don't know that's i think that's stupid like that 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 was stupid that that couldn't happen in marseille in this kind of situation it happened but it 
was a more dramatic situations actually. I agree. I agree. I think it was. Uh, it didn't show a good image of just Ligue 1 in general. I was. Yeah. Uh, I was just as annoyed as the as the next man. I just kept in the back of my mind, you know, the idea of the 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 Marseille rowdy hooligan that we you know we do unfortunately still have unfortunately or fortunately they're the life of you know they're the life and soul of the club but there's no there's no room for that kind of you know um headless act especially i i, I can't remember the last time a marseille fan actually hit a player i remember marseille fans throwing stuff onto the pitch but hitting the player like it hit Angier, i mean come on i mean that's ridiculous oh yeah that was lame yeah, I think I may. I mean, I may be wrong because it's such such a long time ago. But I think um, the game against there was a game against Leon uh, a few years, a couple of seasons ago. I think Lopez might have got hit by something, um, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were definitely guilty of that kind of stuff. Uh, I wasn't actually thinking so much about that. I mean, that's shocking, right? I mean, it happened twice, didn't it as well? Uh, it was really really shocking. Um, but yeah, I was thinking more about the the way it was handled actually with the referee. I just thought it kind of became a bit of a well. It's, at least it seemed from the the coverage that I was watching in the UK and BT Sport. It just seemed like it'd become a bit of a circus, and um, you know the referee kind of he storms off the pitch. He the players are all standing there, so the referee's away down the tunnel. He's gone, and the players are all standing on the pitch. I mean, maybe partly refusing to go off or kind of feigning the, the confusion I suppose about it all yeah and it just I don't know to me it seemed it all seemed a bit odd like you would think that the the referee is the the referee who's a role in protecting the players that's why he's he's stopping the game you would think he would escort the players off first um, send them down the tunnel and then leave the pitch you know uh, it just seemed very odd to me that he just disappeared just walked off uh, I, I, I don't know, it just felt like he'd kind of, I, I mean, at least it looked like he was just having a bit of a power trip, you know, um, and I'm not saying he was wrong to to stop the game or to walk off, but just the way he kind of managed the whole situation, um, and then, yeah, after it, you know, you've got the announcement over the tannoy, and then this guy comes out in a microphone, and it just, it all just looked very farcical, uh, I, I, to me, and uh, yeah, and I think for anyone who's probably not watching gun very often uh, and is not used to seeing this kind of incidents because like certainly in, in the UK we don't see things like that in the Premier League ever um, so yeah I don't know I just for me it just felt it was a bit of a mess it was all it was very chaotic and I think we were kind of lucky actually because uh, I was kind of worried that the break in play was going to mean that it, it would disrupt our momentum we still had you know a couple of minutes of uh, the the ninety minutes left, and then plus the extra time. So you're thinking, how's this going to affect the psyche of the players? Uh, you know, we, it happened at a moment when Montpellier had a corner, so it's obviously you know a set piece of an occasion where you can easily concede. Uh, so yeah, I was a bit worried that it would affect our performance. Fortunately, it didn't. Um, and I wasn't I, at the time. I wasn't very clear about what the kind of outcomes were. Had it got abandoned, and I, I saw some people were saying it can be like, you know, given as a score, or it can be given as three nothing, or or the, the the remaining minutes or have to be replayed, that kind of thing. So it was all a bit messy and unclear to me at the time. But yeah, I don't know. That's kind of how I felt. Like, what about you? Did you think like the referee handled it right? Do you think that the officials uh, did their job right? 
I think the the referee uh, did uh, what he had to do. Like that was the only way to deal with it. But <clears throat> sorry. Um, the the only thing I'm the only thing I'm thinking right now is just it affected more Montpellier performance than ours. I mean, come on, you're on the stadium after one and a half year been gone. Your team is losing, but you have a corner five minutes at the end of the match. You have a new coach. You kept your best players, including Laborde and Delors. I don't see any reason to do that. Like, that's that's really stupid. I don't see any reason to do that for Montpellier. They had a good season last year. I mean, it's not like we were at the end of the season. They were about to go down in Ligue 2 or stuff like that. There's no no sense in that. I mean... And for the referee, he made the good choice, I think. Like, right now, I think every time this kind of thing happened, we, the, the referee should just uh, whistle and tell the, the players to, to leave the, the pitch and come back when the situation is uh, controlled because it can, can be a total mess after all. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think it was a bit, uh, as you said, uh, Stefan, it was a bit farcical, but I think it sets a good precedent for the uh, for the rest of the season in terms of you know what the protocol is going to be. Um, hopefully, next time the, the players will actually follow the ref. Uh, the 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 moment where everybody was just standing in the box, thinking you know what am I supposed to do here, uh, and and the ref had just <laughs> left. That was a bit farcical, but everything else I thought he handled it um, pretty well. There is that common. It's. I think it's common to most referees, and I think Ligue 1 is isn't an exception. Uh, the power trip type of, refer, of, of referees, you know, the ones who really want to control the whole game and and really, you know. But in this case, I thought it was just, you know, it was good. It was no, no nonsense. You know, we're we're not tolerating this kind of thing. You were warned once, um, and and you know, twice was twice too many. So so we're off. And I think you know, especially on a Sunday night. 8:45 game in France, prime time, you know, big audience, a lot of people watching. I think it sets the the right precedent. Obviously, next time we'll hope for a bit more coherence and a bit more, you know, the players following suit and and etc. But I think it was I think it was positive broadly. Yeah, and I think we will see the same things happening when we hear a racist insult in the stadium as well. I think these are right, like. Uh... It, the, it probably does set a good precedent, and we are likely to see more issues. As you know, as you said, that after such a long absence of fans at the stadium, it's it is there, there is a strong likelihood that people are going to go a bit wild when they finally do get access to games. So we're going to see more trouble. So yeah, maybe this will nip it in the bud. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I don't disagree with that. Um, so yeah, like maybe let's move on to the. Tops and flops. So we'll just sort of pick out like our, um, like you know, if you if any like player or players that you think that you want to highlight that have had a good game and any that you think have had a bad game. Maybe I'll go first, just to you know, just for a change. So um, for me, I'll start with tops, and the obviously obvious one is Dimitri Payet. Um, you know, I think he was. Absolutely sensational. Maybe that's a bit too. Is that too strong? Is that? But he was very good. At, you know, in the last sort of thirty minutes of the game, especially when uh, when Pippa Benedetto came on. But 
I think it would be unfair. It would be misleading to say that he had a, you know, a, a very strong game throughout because he was poor in the first half and, and the system that Sampali played with the false nine he really wasn't getting anything out of him or the best out of him. But we saw that once the he had a forward in front of him that you know he was really like in his element and he was playing like we've seen in pre-season, the the real Payet. So obviously I want to highlight him. Um, he was playing excellent. Two two goals. I mean, the free kick maybe was not such a great free kick, but more so a very badly defended free kick from Montpellier. And uh, but the second goal was you know a superb finish and a nice run from him. So yeah, obviously I want to highlight him. He did feel like the match winner, I guess. But just thinking, what other players played really well? I mean, I'm gonna. <sighs> Conrad, I guess, he was really exciting on the left and, you know, I was a bit kind of disappointed not to see uh, Luis Enrique uh, in the side. I'm a big fan of Enrique. I say that every week in the podcast. He's probably my favourite player right now at the club or the one that kind of excites me most, but I have to admit, Conrad's looked brilliant every time he plays, so you can't complain. He deserves to be in the side and he was, he was really... Really interesting as an option on the left side. He, he, you know, he's just he's a lovely player to watch. Um, he creates problems. He's got such a good turn, change of direction. You know, sort of low centre of gravity. Um, he's fairly accurate with his passing, and you know, he's he's look he's the kind of guy that's, you know, he's not just a silky winger or anything. He's genuinely looking to make things happen. Um, and he's not that wasteful either. I think I've got very little I could say about him that's negative. He's a very impressive player. So I think he had an excellent game. Um, so yeah, I'd probably pick them as my two tops. I know that there was quite a few others that had really good games. Even um, just you know, I've been criticising him in the last podcast. Chengizunda had a good game. You know, I have to admit that. Um, as much as I've said I wasn't a big fan of him. Yeah, there's a lot of players that played well. But... A couple maybe that I'll highlight that I thought were pretty disappointing. And the first one is the goalkeeper, Mandanda. I thought that um, I think he's just not comfortable with the ball at his feet. And the way that we play, there's going to be a lot of sort of quick passes back to the goalkeeper and sketchy situations. And he just looks, you know, like he's not. He's not up for it. And there was one moment, I think, in the game where he got a bit panicked, a bit flustered, and he, he nearly gave it away. Um, Montpellier maybe, you know, could have caught us out. But I think, uh, I don't know, I just, I feel like his time as number one is, seems to be limited. You know, it's coming to an end, it's coming to a close. I don't know if he's got much more in him than the tank anyway. And I think as the season progresses and maybe as Lopez becomes available, maybe we might see his his position seriously under threat um, and which would be sad but it just just doesn't look comfortable in this system and should I pick one more flop Ooh, maybe I feel bad saying it but maybe uh, Kamara I just as I said earlier on kind of I, actually I saw some things from him in the game that were nice you know there was some nice moments there was a moment in the first half where he was just some really nice footwork and sort of dribbling himself out of situations um, in, in defence. But I just think like he's, yeah, you know, he was arguably one of the players at fault for the first Montpellier goal. Just um, 
repeatedly not there to close down his man on the right side. Not really his fault. He's playing a bit of an odd position, um, but it, it left gaps there. I think that, yeah, just when, when we're not going to see him blossom in that position. And so sadly, I think it's one of his um, weaker performances for Marseille, I'm afraid. Yeah, so that's me. Uh, who wants to go next? Who are your tops and who are your flops? I'd go. Yeah. Um, on my flops first, I would say Nandanda. Like, I'm not secure now when I watch a, a game. Um, he's not uh, effect. How can I say? He's not efficient, you know? Like, I think Montpellier had two two shots on target and in, that was two goals literally so and the second goal by the way i i think a lot of goalkeepers will have stopped it but anyway i'm not confident with montanda i think like you said his time as a number one is is gone i'm not really confident about lopez but that's another topic but anyway um and uh, my second flop i would say uh i i don't have any f- uh, yeah i would say gerson like Gerson is a, you you can see he has a great ability to keep the ball. He's good technically, he's good, but he's not used to the system, to the to the to the Liga right now. So yeah, that was my second flop, and of course my top Payet. He had a world class moves and skills on the second half. He was uh, free on the pitch as soon as uh, Benedetto came in because he. He needed to be in this in his part of the the pitch, and that was way better in second half. And yeah, I liked I really liked Conrad. Reminds me a little bit of Kingsley Command. I don't know what you think about that, but uh, I he reminds me about uh, Kingsley Command a little bit. Absolutely, he's, yes. He's fast, I can, couldn't uh, agree more. I said the same thing to my brother a few days ago. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, he reminds me of Kingsley Command and. Uh, I, I, I'm going to wait to see more because that was the first game. I don't want to be overexcited over that because uh, anything can happen. We, ha- we we saw so many people doing first great matches and then becoming really poor on the pitch. So I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to be too excited about that. But yeah, I, I, I want to see more. And about Shengiz and the, uh, I'm I don't know. Cheng is under. You you can see he has the the talent, the skill, but uh, it, it reminds me the some ways it reminds me the bad Tovin. You know, there was the good Tovin. The good Tovin is the guy who takes one ball and scores, like he was super efficient. The good Tovin and the bad Tovin was the Tovin we saw last season. So he was good on the skill, but every time he's doing the the bad choice not giving the pass at the good moment trying to strike where there was a pass to make and stuff like that and he reminds me uh this one so i'm not too confident about shengi zunder but again I, I want to see more so i'm gonna wait and uh, i i i liked pap gay he made a good match especially in the second half i i like camara i know you didn't really like it uh, stefan but i i appreciate camara he's not his uh, natural uh, place on the pitch, but I think he did well. Sadly, he's going to leave. Uh, I heard uh, a few things uh, about him leaving the the next days, leaving to uh, to to La Liga. So uh, I don't know who we're going to take to replace him, uh, but that's going to be a huge loss, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I'd start off the back of the. I'll start with flops because I think there weren't many. Um, and I'd say that apart from Under, who I saw as a semi-flop, I, I uh, respectfully disagree with Stefan. Despite the goal, I thought um, I agree with Fiorenzo. He had some glimpses of, of brilliance, and he's definitely more my type of player than Tovan in the in the way that he's. He's incisive. He's quick. He's powerful in a way that Dovan just just wasn't. Um, but I think, yeah, I just still think there's quite a bit of waste in his game that just frustrates me a bit. Um, didn't have a bad game, but if I had to, you know, uh, choose a, a, a semi-flop, then I would choose him. And again, Jerson, Jerson, I think, uh, just like Kamara, uh, like Fiorenza and, and 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 Stefan said, I think there's a system uh, issue that needs to be addressed. I, especially in the preseason games, not so much yesterday, but we were seeing Jerson on the right wing and then he'd end up on the left wing and then he'd end up uh, left back. And he was, and rarely actually in the position where he's best, which is, you know, in that, in the center of the midfield. So I think that flop, I won't really put it on him. I'll put it more on the kind of, you know, the, the system, I guess. Um, so so yeah, and and Mandanda obviously, I mean, a, a bit passive, but I can't really um, can't really knock him for it. Uh, the tops, I think we haven't talked about him yet on the podcast, but um, Ganduzi, Ganduzi is oh, yeah. uh, he's the most I, I said this earlier, the most Marseille player I think that we've signed since Ocampos. Now I might I might be forgetting uh, a few, but in the kind of grit and the and the headlessness and the just passion. I just, I absolutely love him. I know he's from Paris, but in a way, maybe he'll be a bit like me. He'll be a, a, a Parisian a Marseille fan for life, hopefully, after his, his experience here. Um, I thought he was phenomenal. 97% passing uh, success. That's what the, the, the club tweeted uh, I mean, yesterday. That's crazy, isn't it? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it's not just short passes, you know, just pass it back make a run pass it back i mean it was it was long it was i mean not so much long pap gay was pap gay another top for me was on the distribution he was going left right i mean wherever you wanted he was he was putting the ball but um yeah Gunduzi just available and just exemplified the the sampali system of just pressure and no matter what minute it is he's just going to go and win you the ball back um and i think that in a way, he's just very similar to the player he was at Arsenal. But being an Arsenal fan as well, um, obviously uh, after Marseille, Marseille number one. But being an Arsenal fan, I, 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 I'm seeing the same player. I just think that it fits Ligue 1 and it fits OM more than it fit Arsenal. Um, he's at his best when he's in a bit of a... Uh, they're very different players, but in a bit of a Kante role. In the, in the sense that Kante, I think, is at his best when he's just all over the pitch. Not, you know, playing just CDM or just central midfield. He's at his best when he's running around and just anticipating passes and winning it back and projecting forward. And I think Anduzi's the same. I think he he really benefits from a bit of freedom in the midfield. And I think that might be one of the positives of this system is that it enables them to kind of, you know, the midfielders to kind of run around and, and not be stuck to a specific... Uh, specific system and then finally obviously we've said we've talked about him already but conrad i you know the, the marseille coman i saw a tweet about um the other day from a marseille fan saying oh it's a shame for barcelona they've lost their best player and uh lionel messi so um 
I and I, I, I don't, you know, that's obviously a joke, but he could turn out to be our best signing for 3.5 million euros. That is absolutely nothing in today's market. Um, and I think I think Longoria just hopped on the right. He hopped on the bar. He I think he sensed Barca's financial troubles and just snuck right in there. And I'm sad he didn't manage to get um, Alex Collado as well, who I think would have been brilliant too. But just getting him for 3.5 M, like, ugh, just, yeah, fantastic. Collado is not over, by the way. He's not going to Bruges. And uh, I, we heard things about maybe going to Moscow. Yeah, so the latest I read was just that he was going to try to fight for his place under Komen, which I think oh, is a bit, is a bit silly. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. I mean, despite Messi leaving, they still have a, a plethora of of yeah. wingers. So, yeah, and, we'll see. And about just to finish about Genduzi, uh, I totally agree with you. And I don't know if you saw on the second half, he had some kind of weird pass that was absolutely genius. Uh, at one moment, he had the ball on the right of the pitch. He was under pressure by two Montpellier players, and instead of just uh, do the pass to the defender, or just uh, you know, throw a long ball to the to the to the next side of the pitch. He just like I don't know what he did. He just like made a high pass, high pass, high in the air, like 30 meters in the air, and he just landed on Payet, who just gave him back. And during that time, the 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 ball was in the air. He was able to replace. Every player on the pitch was about, were able to replace on the pitch. Uh, that's the kind of play I really like. And we didn't have such that, that kind of player for a long time at Marseille. So I'm really glad we have him right now. I, I mean, I don't know how I forgot to mention him, actually. He probably, he, I mean, he probably should have been mentioned in the tops for me as well. He was excellent, Kandizzi. Yeah, and I'd just like to come back to what you're saying. Yeah, I, I know I recognise what both you're saying about Inda. Like, he wasn't... Like, what you're saying about him is exactly how I feel about him. I just felt like he was much improved in this game than what I'd seen before in him. And I had to acknowledge that I thought he was pretty good, given that I've... Maybe maybe not so much on the pod, but outside of the pod, Ben will know that I'm always going on about how much I really don't like him. <laughs> so he's kind of, like, become my new Bunasar. Um But, yeah, so it was more of me just sort of admitting that, that he was actually okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. so I was thinking we'll just sort of move on and kind of start wrapping it up. So sort of quickly, we'll just if we can all sort of pick one takeaway from the game. Um, so who wants to go first? I don't know what mine is, so I kind of need to hear what you both say to sort of make my mind up. Um, any ideas? I, I, yeah, I'll just, I, I have two, I think of two, two quick takeaways. One we've already talked about is we need a, a right back or a right wing back or a semblance of, of that. Um, I think we can't exist for long without, without one. Um, uh, and a second, and I've, I guess we've already said it as well, but I, I really want uh, Jerson to find a spot because I think he could be really, really great. And I run Sorry, I think I muted myself there. Ironically, I think he's the only um, pure Sampaoli signing of the of the Mercato so far. I think the rest have been uh, either 100% Longoria or a mix of Sampaoli and Longoria. And I think Gerson was a 
you know, was one of those players that Sampali said, I need him in my squad. And yet he seems to be the one that's the most, you know, in the, in the most, um, I'd say unclear role, the most unclear position on the team. So I, I, I'm sounding very doom and gloom here because my real takeaway is that let's go. I mean, we're, what a, what a great season we're about to have, or at least what an exciting season we're about to have. And Longoria signings are looking like fire. Um, so that's my real takeaway. The, the, forget the first two. The first two were just me being a bit of a pessimistic Frenchman. Some good points there. Yeah. Um, Fiorenzo? Well, um, I agree about Gerson. I think it's about, it's about the system, but the system is like that because we need the right wing right now. If we get the right wing, maybe... Well, the only thing we can do in this system with Gerson it's either play Gerson or Pat Gay. They, they can be only one of them. So that's the, 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 the bad point about it. But I think we're going to change system when we get uh, the right wing. So as a takeaway, I would say the same thing. Um, we need a right wing, absolutely. We need Milik back. That's uh, like, if we don't have Milik, we're going to be in deep troubles because Benedetto is about to leave. We just have Bamba Jeng, which is a talented young player, but it's not right now ready, I think, to do a, a whole season in Ligue 1. So we need Milik back. And uh, as we get Milik back, we, we can play with Payet at the number 10, and that would be better because I I don't think Payet is made for playing as a, as a striker. And the second thing, uh, the second takeaway I would, I would take is... Uh, about uh, the the defense, uh, I really enjoyed Luan Perez yesterday, despite the fact he he scored an own goal, a very good game. I'm confident about Saliba. I think he, he has the talent and stuff, but I'm not sure about Balerdi. Really, I'm really not sure. He's not. I don't know. I'm not confident with him so far. So I know Chalitacha is about to leave. I think. Chalitacha is way better than Balerdi, in my opinion. But if Chalitacha leave, we're going to have to, to take another, another central defender. And I hope it's going to be someone who's better than Balerdi. Well, we're linked to uh, the du- that Dutch, second division Dutch guy, Mickey, Mickey van de Ven or Van de Van there. Yeah, he's I heard he's very talented. I... I'm excited to see if he comes, but yeah, hopefully that that sounds great. That's exactly that's right up our alley. That's such that's a signing that we would have never made uh, pre Longoria, oh, no. you know. And I think that's exactly. It. I think it's the. I don't know if you guys ever played Football Manager, but yeah. this is the kind of Football Manager signing of oh, I just found this, you know, second division Dutch league guy, and he's super promising, and I, I love that. I love the idea that. Um, that that we are signing players like that, and uh, I don't know if you guys follow on on Twitter. Great Marseille account, uh, Glufar, G L O P H A R, and he posted a, a a scouting kind of video of uh, of Van de Ven, and he looked he looked exciting. But I mean, we don't know anything yet. Yeah, that's exactly what you said. Yeah, that's the kind of player we couldn't have before. That's. That's always a bet. Like these kind of players are, are a bet. But I prefer to go bet on those kind of players instead of just taking another league and defender. We always know he's a like you know a, 
average player. You know, I can uh, I prefer to go for this kind of bet. If it works, it's uh, it's great. Like we can we can have a lot of money when we sell him, and we can have we can. But if it doesn't work, well, it's not that expensive. We just had him for a cheap price, so yeah, I like it. I think Stefan has, uh, has left us. Oh, sorry, I'm on mute. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I, I must have been on mute earlier on then, I don't know. Um, I was saying I, I buttoned at one point, but maybe you didn't hear me. Um, so I was just saying that I thought he was playing like real-life football manager, Longoria, that's pretty much what he's doing. Yeah, I, I agree with all the points that he's made, uh, but I'll just be boring and pick an obvious one, but... In, um, neither of you have mentioned it so it's just to say that I think it's going to you know my takeaway is that I think it's going to be a really exciting season for us as simple as that you know I think that we're going to get entertained uh, and, and we're going to enjoy watching it and there's probably going to be some real highs and lows in typical Mar- I say typical Marseille fashion but it's certainly fitting with this club but I think this is what um, I think we'd all rather see this than than what we've had the last few seasons. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. That's just really all I'm going to say is that I came away from this game just thinking, right, when's the next one? Can't wait for it. So, um, yep, super pleased about that. So, just enjoy the ride, I guess. So, um, no, finally, before we go, so I think next week... I think it's on the 15th, isn't it? Yeah. So we're playing Bordeaux. Yeah, just want to get your thoughts on that game and then what you think the score's going to be. I, I don't know if any of you guys caught the Bordeaux game. I, I, I didn't. I, I watched like the first 20 minutes, actually, against Bordeaux against uh, Clermont. And uh, Bordeaux looked pretty shocking to me at the back. They were really, really poor and looked, just as a whole looked from that 20 minutes I saw like a very disjointed team and I saw Clermont have multiple chances and score twice I think as well in the first 20 minutes they scored twice two goals that were cut off for being offside um, so I think Bordeaux are really in crisis uh, and I think they're going to have a really tough season ahead I know they're going to revamp the whole squad but I reckon they're probably going to get relegated based on what I saw I know it's pretty hard to judge a team in 20 minutes but um yeah, so I think we're going to win this game, and I'm going to say 3-0, 3-0, yeah. I mean, that seems pretty uh, bold and optimistic, but why not? Um, I think they're there for the taking. Uh, what about you guys? What do you yeah, think is going to happen? Yeah, I'd say I still think we're going to concede. I, I, they don't really have the best offensive output, but I still, I mean, I was I was at the Velodrome when we uh, beat them 3-1 in 2019, um, and yes, Nedley, he, you know, Parisian through and through he's he's got it out for us so I, I reckon he's got a goal in him uh or maybe one of you know one of their wingers like Kalu or something I I reckon we've we've they've got a goal to score um now whether we score three or four I don't know so I'll I'll, I'll try to be a bit more bold I'll say four one um which would be my prediction well for me I would say yeah we're gonna concede a goal as well like right now the defense is uh, you know it's we're trying to find ourselves on the defense, so I think they they're gonna score, but I think we're gonna beat him beat them like easily. I I don't know. You don't know with this kind of games. You know, Bordeaux is playing 
uh, most of the time they played their season just with one game against Marseille. So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make like the the match of their life. Uh, I think we're gonna win. But about Bordeaux, I think I, I watched the the game against Clermont. That was really really bad, and uh, their their team right now is really lame. No offense, but it's really lame. And uh, as I said yesterday, I think on Twitter, I I see them go into Ligue 2. So they're gonna have a really bad season, in my opinion. And yeah, the next game we play against them Sunday, I think it's gonna be a win. But I don't. I think we're gonna concede a goal at least. Yeah, I, I mean I agree. Like with both of you, that normally I would expect us to concede too, but I just don't know if Bordeaux are good enough to score a goal. They just look so bad. Um, so yeah, that's why I didn't give them one. But okay, so I think we're all feeling pretty positive uh, going into the next fixture, and that's quite rare. It's, re- it's very rare on this podcast. I think probably that we all predict a you know a comfortable win by more than two goals uh, for the, for any fixture. So that's that's a good sign, or, or maybe it's just that Bordeaux so crap. But um, certainly you know lots of things to be optimistic about right now. And I think that's the end of the show, guys. So I'll just say, you know, thanks for joining the show, Lewis. Thanks for joining us, Fiorenzo. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for having us, Stefan. Thank you very much. Brilliant. And uh, we'll try and get another episode out there, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. Um, Probably after the Nice game, but we'll see how we'll see how it goes. But we'll definitely get some more content out in, um, in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, thank you and good night.